speak the charm of make charm of make charm There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will rule the world. This is the Arnamancy Podcast. Exploring esotericism, tarot, magic, and the occult. I am Reverend Eric. Hello, podcast listeners. This episode is a solo show. Uh, This is a walkthrough of a method of using the art of memory to memorize the meanings of the minor arcana of the tarot. It was originally produced for the Arnamancy Patreon podcast, which was an experiment that never really went anywhere. But when I rebooted this podcast and turned it into Arnamancy, I decided that I was going to try some new format stuff. And one of those new formats that I want to try is solo episodes. I want these episodes to sort of be discussions of actual practice. What do practicing occultists do? What do tarot readers do? What works and what doesn't? You know, not everything succeeds, and sometimes it's good to share those sorts of failures so that we don't all have to uh, repeat them, or so that we can acknowledge that some of us are better at things than others are. So hopefully when you listen to this, you'll get an idea how can the art of memory be used. Now, this is a good tie-in to some other Art of Memory stuff that I've been putting on the blog. For instance, earlier this month, I released an article about using the Art of Memory to memorize uh, astrological house triplicities. There will be a link to that in the show notes and a link to some of my other Art of Memory blog posts. I hope you check those out and get a better idea. I would love to hear your examples of using the art of memory for part of your tarot or occult or astrological practice. Let me know what you're doing and how it works. All right. I also want to remind you that Friday, September 13th, 2019 at 7 p.m. will be the first ever Arnamancy live podcast recording. I'll be at the Rose City Book Pub with Coleman Stevenson of The Dark Exact. She's an artist and a tarot creator and a writer and really smart and fun to talk to. I think it's going to be incredibly entertaining. There's no cover fee, so it's free admission. There's a link in the show notes with more details. I really hope to see you guys there. Uh, And finally, you can support the Arnamancy podcast and the Arnamancy blog on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. And when you do that, you get early access to podcast episodes, you get early access to blog posts, you get access to my private Patreon feed, and there was one other thing I wanted to tell you. What was it? Oh, yes. And when I hit my next goal of $200 a month, I am going to pay guest writers for blog posts, which is super exciting because, you know, it's good to support writers. All right, now on to our episode. first lesson is about using the art of memory to read and memorize the minor arcana pips. So those are basically ace through ten of the minor arcana. This method is based on some of the work done by Robert Place and Rosemary Ellen Geely for uh, with the alchemical tarot. I'm not sure if it's in newer editions of it, but I've got a 
first edition of the Alchemical Tarot that came with this great book that had a, a method for looking at the interactions or the the intersections between the suits and numbers for the pip cards, which really kind of helped me create this method. Um, also, I want to thank Scott Gosnell for his translation of Giordano Bruno's 30 Seals and the Seal of Seals, which really helped me figure out the method that I was going to use to, uh, to do this. All right. So before we start, I want you to get a tarot deck, your favorite tarot deck, perhaps, uh, especially the one that's based on the Rider Waite Smith deck. In fact, if it's the Rider Waite Smith deck itself, that is perfect. And take out the ace through ten of pentacles or coins or whatever your uh, deck calls them. Put them in order so that uh, pentacles is on top. So if you flip through it, it goes uh, one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Oof! Yeah, that was uh, that was some real math there. So a little bit about the art of memory. Um, if you haven't yet, I would encourage you to go watch my introductory video about the art of memory, which is available from my Patreon account. Uh, I also have, if you search on YouTube or something, you can get some introductions to the art of memory. I don't want to go over like the very basics of it here because I'm going to assume that you already know the art of memory is based on images being stored in imaginary places. So basically, this is a technique that uses your imagination or your imaginal faculty, your ability to, the ability of your mind and soul to create, store, and recall images. And here's something really important that I don't know, I don't know if this is covered in a lot of Art of Memory uh, tutorials, but images should move, especially when you are using images for uh, magical purposes or doing things with magical memory, your images should move. Um, partially, this is because one of the things you're doing with your images is you're playing with magic that is being stored in a level of your soul. And in the Corpus Hermeticum in the Asclepius, we learn that when you create things that move, you are in a way ensouling them. So you want your images to move. Don't use static images. Uh, if you've used boomerang, you know, that, that little uh, video looping thing, they can, they can move in little loops like that. That's totally fine. They don't have to be unique movements all the time. All right. The art of memory. We're going to use Giordano Bruno's uh, terminology, which means that the locations in the art of memory are going to be called subjects in a uh, in other classical art of memory stuff, they might be called uh, Loki or uh, Locus or Loci. Um, I'm going to use uh, Bruno because this is based on one of Bruno's techniques. So the locations are going to be called subjects, and the images that are stored in them will be called adjects. And we're going to start with the subjects. This is a visualization technique and I would encourage you to be ready to listen to this more than once if you need to. But what I would like you to do first is find a comfortable place to sit, relax, and imagine a comfortable, cozy cabin in the woods. This is going to be a place that is going to be comfortable and easy for you to enter. Um, if a cabin in the woods isn't comfortable to you, for instance, if you're afraid of the woods, then use something else. But basically you want sort of an old cabin or a cottage that's nice and cozy. You know, maybe it'll smell like your grandma's cookies, or maybe it'll smell like a fireplace, or maybe it'll smell like recently cut pine or whatever. You know, it's going to be a nice place. You know, look at it, hear it, see it, feel it, feel the wind moving through the trees, 
smell it, touch it. Like, you know, you make this a, make this a place where you're comfortable and that it comes to your, your inner vision easily. In the old cabin is a big rough hewn table, you know, big enough for a whole family to sit down and eat at. But in this case, it's totally cleared off. It's a rough hewn table, totally cleared off. And uh, stuck into the table is a big Bowie knife or maybe some woodworking tools. And using those tools in your mind, carve lines in the table to make a grid that is 11 spaces wide and five spaces tall. Use every sense as you do this. The carving, the feeling, that should be, you know, visceral, you know, feel the exhaustion and the sweat and the resistance of the wood and the feeling of the cutting and the carving and the sound that it makes and the little curls of carved wood hitting the floor and the the smell of the dust and everything like that. Like use use your senses to really feel this setting. Now what we're creating here is an instance of Bruno's ninth seal, which is called the table. Basically, this table with those lines carved in it is going to be the location in which we will be storing our memory images, or our adjects. Okay, now, when you learn tarot in modern Western mystery tradition, uh, the four suits are associated with the elements. Um, there are some Kabbalistic associations as well, but I'm not going to get into that today. We're just going to talk about the four suits as elements and how you can use that to create your memory images. And what we're going to do is on the left, the leftmost column of your table, we're going to store images for those elements. Now these images, the, the way that I would like, the way that I usually like to uh, use these um, I don't really have to think about the images for the elements too much. So if you have an easy time remembering the elements associated to the different suits, then you don't need to really worry about it. But basically, pentacles are earth. I like to remember them. The images should be the color green. Um, have a have a, the pentacle or coin from your tarot deck there. Color it green. Make it the entire row that it's associated with outlined in green. These should be earthy, physical things, like, you know, touch it and feel it and feel how heavy this pentacle is. It should smell like earth. It should smell like green things. Maybe it should be like putting your fingers into soil and it should smell of soil and look like it. The next row up, the leftmost column, should be swords. Swords are associated with the element of air. This is yellow. It should feel breezy and cool. Air deals with reason and intellect, the logical stuff, the inevitable stuff. This is why some of the air cards are so nasty. Uh, even though that the, this is the intellectual and reasoning suit, some of the cards deal with uh, inevitabilities that everybody must face and deal with, you know, because life is messy sometimes. The next row up is cups or vessels. This is the water suit. Think of this suit as the color blue, and it's wet. It should sound like water or rain or splashing. Uh, cups deal with emotion. They deal with feelings, love, intuition, like the scary intuition, the subconscious, those hidden bits that you don't uh, allow yourself to know or that other people don't allow themselves to know. And that's blue. Finally, the row that is furthest away from you is staves, staffs, or wands, and the leftmost column should contain a wand. 
It should be red. Maybe it should be on fire. This is the fire suit. It should be hot, glowing, fiery. Staves and wands represent inspiration and passion, energy, the divine spark, even madness. Now, when you have the four suits set up like this, I want you to notice something really important. Earth and water, the pentacles and the, and the, and the cups, uh, tend to be more passive and receptive. Uh, frequently, they're quite a bit friendlier and easier to deal with, whereas the other two, swords and wands, are active and more dangerous. Okay, we've got the basic structure set up here. You have your table. You have the symbols for the suits set up in the leftmost column from the pentacles, which is closest to you, to the wands, which is furthest away. The rest of the columns are basically f for holding the adjects for the cards ace through ten. We're going to do this for the pentacles. I'm going to walk through this through the pentacles with you, and then the rest of the suits will be left as an as a uh, exercise for you to do later. Now, this is perhaps not the fastest way to learn the tarot. However, what I have found is that by using this system, by learning a table, uh, a memory table, associating the different suits with the different meanings, it has enabled me, it has put me in a spot where I can pick up any tarot deck and start reading with it immediately. So hopefully this will enable you to do the same thing. So let's talk about the adjects a little bit. These are the memory images that we're going to be associating with each card. I like to think of them in this situation as sort of like the little monsters on the on hollow chests in Star Wars. If you remember the first Star Wars movie, uh, by which I mean Episode 4, A New Hope, and not that horrible crappy thing that we call Episode 1, you will remember that scene where R2-D2 and Chewbacca are sitting on the Millennium Falcon, playing uh, hollow chess, which is like this round table game with these little holographic monsters that sort of tromp across and smash each other. So I like to think of uh, memory images in this particular table as being kind of like hollow chess monsters. So that sort of style of thing. You can use whatever works for you. Uh, little action figures, little animated critters, whatever, but they, they have to fit inside the square. I like to keep it pretty simple so that I can call them up at a glance. So I'm going to walk through this. Be prepared to listen to this more than once if you need help, because you're going to have to spend a little bit of time creating each adject in a way that you like. But basically, we're going to follow a pattern along here for the pentacles that will then you will then repeat later with each of the um, other three suits. All right. First, the ace. This should go in the row closest to you, right next to the image, the, the adject that you've already created for the uh, pentacle suit. Now, the ace is a beginning. I like to think of it, the adject that I use for this is an egg that's cracking open. Now, to me, this makes it really easy because I already have the element associated with each suit. So, for instance, when the egg is cracking open in the ace of pentacles slot, dirt is coming out or green stuff is coming out, uh, which reminds you that this is, you know, the beginning of something in the earthly realm. Twos are polarities or opposites. So for instance, what I like to see is an egg with a creature coming out of it, looking at himself in a mirror. This is indicate indicative of a creature first noticing or, a, or, a, or something first noticing that it even exists. You know, it's the, the moment of um, the moment of comparison or the moment of saying like, oh, hey, this is a thing that I need to pay, be paying attention to. 
three is growth. I often look at this one, and the adject is two creatures with a child creature. Now, as I go along, the different the different suits might have their own sorts of creatures associated with them. So in this one, perhaps the um, creature emerges from the egg in the ace, sees himself in the mirror in number two, and in number three has had a child with his reflection. Four is stability. Four creatures in a square. Very little movement in this card. I know that I said that the adjects should all move, and in this one perhaps they do, but it's probably going to be more fidgeting than anything else. Fours are about stability, and it's not always good stability. You might see this in other suits where the stability is unstable or unhappy. Five. Fives are about change or upset. I like to see a lot of movement in this card. Perhaps have five little creatures, or even two creatures, on a seesaw or a teeter-totter that is unbalanced and constantly moving. There's no stability in five. Six is about harmony or love, in which case I like to see the creatures embracing, celebrating together, maybe having a little bit of a dance party. Seven is about development or evolution. I frequently compare sevens to twos, whereas in two, there's a creature emerging from an egg. In seven, I like to have the creature molting or emerging from an old version of itself. Eights are about goals and obstacles. For this, I frequently like to look at the creature being in chains or struggling to get out of something or struggling with some side of puzzle or problem. Nines are about attainments or achievements. In this one, the creature could be shattering its chains, breaking down a wall, receiving an award, standing on top of a ladder or a chair, in, in, or even having climbed a mountain. You know, something, something showing some level of attainment. All right, finally, 10 is the end result or the beginning of the cycle again. What I really like in this one, especially in the Earth suit, is to have the creature sitting in an easy chair, smoking a pipe, contemplating a brand new egg. So we've gone through and sort of given you a a list of adjects or adject ideas that you can use to begin to create the first row of your memory table for the tarot. All right, so so the, the categories of the names that I used for each of the different uh, numbers will actually work for the other suits, but not always in the same way. You know, you'll run into some weird stuff. So for instance, when you're dealing with the eight of wands, or, you know, it might seem like that's not really an attainment. It's something that's happening for free. When you're dealing with the nine and 10 of swords, you're looking at stuff that is really, really difficult to face in the intellect or difficult to face in, in that area of life. And so the attainment and end result might actually be the destruction of part of the intellect and uh, leaving it for dead, or, you know, it could indicate something like a doubt and betrayal. You know, there's a lot of individual idiosyncrasies that you're going to run into, but you will find that as you go through and create adjects for each of these, the meaning will not only be cemented in your mind, but the relationship between not only the different numbers in the minor arcana, 
but the different suits in the minor arcana will become more and more apparent. You will suddenly find yourself, since you have everything laid out on a table in front of you, with the ability to permute and move backwards and forwards through the minor arcana to gain a deeper appreciation for those particular tarot cards. I would say that, you know, go through this, work on the pentacles uh, for a few days until you feel like you have it down pretty well. You know, uh, it's important to get the uh, the comfortable cabin and the rough-hewn table uh, well solidified in your imagination before you move on to putting adjects into them. So take some time, work on this slowly, uh, and then move on to the next suit, move on to swords and work through those cards and figure out sort of keywords that should be probably the same as the keywords I gave you for the pentacles, but you might have to change them uh, and make an adject for each of those and put it in its place in the table. Eventually you'll have ace through 10 filled up for all four of the suits and you'll have a memory table that you can use uh, and adapt quickly to any Rider Waite Smith tarot deck that you pick up. Uh, and this will be incredibly valuable as you go along. Now, as you work through other systems, you know, the, not all of the tarot decks out there follow the same theme as the Rider Waite Smith. So you might find that you come across a deck that just doesn't fit. And if that's the case, make a new cabin, make a new table. Your memory can hold a surprising amount of stuff. So in conclusion, this is definitely not a shortcut to learning your first deck. Uh, it's a de it's a shortcut to learning all your second deck and your third deck and all of the rest of your decks. Um, but I do hope that when you use this technique, you discover that it is helpful for understanding the relationships between the cards. And I'd love to hear your feedback about this. It does take practice. It's probably going to take a few months before you can put it to use. Even Bruno says in his book, I think it, for some of his more complicated things, he talks about it taking... Um, you know, several moons before your memory structure is ready. But I would like to say that in doing this, you are performing a feat of memory magic. And this is exactly the sort of uh, magical technique that you can use to manipulate and empower images in your own imaginal realm. Thank you for listening to the Arnamancy Podcast. You can find me online at arnamancy.com, where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnamancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. If you like this podcast, support it for just $1 a month through Patreon at patreon.com slash arnamancy.com.